Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was uh, Florida? Pensacola, you It was said? fun. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, a good time. I know that's a scary thing to say about Florida and a trip and this time of the world. And I know I, get that. I joked about you um, meeting up with my brother who lives in Florida. He lives mm-hmm. in Titusville, where the NASA uh, uh, base is. Very, very cool place. Near, uh, I think he's not too far from Orlando. And I don't, you know, being from the Midwest, or this is true. He's a couple anywhere. hours. Like, like He's you like get from here to Indianapolis. You get far enough away, and you have no, you have no sense of like, oh, yeah. oh, this is this is New York, and this is also, or this is California, and this is also California. Like, San Diego is yeah. is over two hours away from from L.A., and that depends on where you are in the traffic Absolutely. and whatnot. But I was like, right. oh, Florida. Well, I know that uh, Orlando is in the middle, and Miami <laughs> is at the bottom. Uh, Fort Myers beach where i went in college um is on the gulf side sort of Mm -hmm, sort mm -hmm. of south more south and i was like i don't know where pensacola is let me look that up and i did not realize pensacola is way the heck over by um um alabama alabama i I, I kept wanting to say missouri i'm like i i know i know missouri is not right it's that little piece of alabama that goes down um yeah at the end of the panhandle before the river. I think it's before yeah, they, the, the Mississippi they're, they're river. They're within a drive of New Orleans, like a short right, drive. Right, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I say I, I thought about it one time when I was uh, went to Disney years and years ago and um, was in uh, Orlando and thought, I'd love to go see my grandma go, and grandpa. Go and, and family. Yeah. You know, I think grandma said something about that. She's like, hey, why don't you guys come visit us? And I thought, hey, that's a good idea. And I was down there and I looked it up and I was like, it's eight hours to get from here to there. <laughs> I don't understand how the state is so big. It's gigantic state. That's part of the reason, as from what I understand, that it's such a big deal uh, politically because it's such a big state. Like the, the southern part of the state is very uh, northern. It's very blue. And then the northern mm-hmm. part of the state is very southern, like it's part of the South, capital S, where yeah. the the peninsula of of Florida is more um, is more. It, it very it's is, more, and, and when you're urban. there, like you visit those places, they are culturally very different places. Very different, yeah. They, they really are. They the in Pensacola, the the area of Pensacola. I grew up in a place called Terre Haute, Indiana, and mm-hmm. and the, the the culture and the price the economics and stuff and the housing and stuff was very com- comparable to to um Terre Haute and and Bloomington maybe not Bloomington so much now but um so like moving down there was always like wow it's not like I have to go to California where I have to make a billion dollars to get a, a one-room apartment or anything uh here it's affordable yet you go to like Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach and places like that they're very expensive down south um but yeah it's just such a big state so anyway uh, it was good. It was fun uh, because for those listeners who were wondering, like, how could this crazy man go to Florida? I was um, it is up, as Dennis said, up in the north side. Um, it's not where all the crazy stuff's always happening down there in the southern part of Florida, which is where all those crazy outbreaks are happening. It's still always traveling. It's always a thing during this time. It was difficult. But being I went by myself. So Dennis going to sing you and I, you know, I was able to social distance a whole lot intentionally. I knew the area, knew the place. I, you know, of all the times I went on a Saturday, I went Wednesday through Sunday, Saturday. I did the very least amount of stuff the whole time because I couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
everywhere was still, there was a lot of people and I just didn't want to go. Right. Yeah. I went down to, I went down to the main beach area and I saw it and immediately was like, Nope, <laughs> just keep driving. You know, I, I would love to go to peg leg pizza or go to the different places, but even outdoor seating was just too much. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, there's, I'm sure there's lots of cool stuff that was going on down there, but I just, you just don't. So it's I was just, able to do yeah, that and, and still have a good time. I spent a lot of time on the beach, which was great. And I, I can confirm you said on the show last week that you had the goal of getting on a video conference with the real background mm-hmm. of your fake background. And I can confirm you got on for movie night uh, from the beach Thursday night, <laughs> Thursday <laughs> evening. And at one point, I feel like somebody even asked you a question and you like that you had your phone or whatever you were on pointed toward the the water and you like got up and sort of jogged away toward the water and went in, and I was like I watched you do that and I was like is Mike is Mike going into the freaking ocean? I mean I, I got your golf side but right. you know the Gulf of Mexico I'm like yeah. is he going into the water and then you were you were down there for a while and then you came back up and and I was like you jerk. <laughs> I yeah, I did that I think a couple times cuz yeah, that's, you know, sometimes you, yeah, it was, I was laying down a bit on the beach and mm-hmm. needed to get cool, but yeah, that, that was, that was super fun. And it, I tell you what, that night I used up all my, all my monthly allotment for my video cell service stuff. Mm. It immediately burned through it. I had like, your, you know, shared rollover data. Your, your phone data. And, that's fine. Yeah. And it just, and it just renewed like two days before that, that trip. And then I got. You know, oh, yeah. halfway so through the night, it was like you used up all your. You're, your... you're screwed for the rest of July. <laughs> I am, but I'm just going to stay home and Wi-Fi stuff. But right, right. Um, it, it's it's fine. That's what you use it for, right? I, but yeah, I know I, some I, of I our friends. Streamed. Some of our friends canceled their data. They're like, "Well, I don't need this now. Like, I'm going to be home all the time." Sure. For me, when I make a drive anywhere, like down to Bloomington or something, um, yeah. I need that. But I don't have very much. I have like two gigs a month. And so, yeah, same here. I don't have. I, I almost never use that up because I don't. You know, I'm home all the time. Yeah, same same here. We we don't. And it, the rollover is nice because it just you know it builds up for st- things like this that I want to do. And mm. you know, it's it's fine. Uh, I, it's weird that I would spend my time on the beach, you know, watching uh, movies with everybody. But the thing was that like the understanding it was I was actually there most of the day. So like it wasn't mm. that I wasn't sitting there reading a book, enjoying. I was. I did that all day long. And then the evening it comes together, it was nice to kind of hang out on the beach with my friends and watch a terrible show. And um, what then did we watch? Oh, we watched Airplane 2. I Airplane 2. remember why I forgot what movies we watched because, I mean, I was also only half watching. But yeah, uh, no, they, they, they Airplane 2 and then, and then American Pie. We got a new... Yeah, American Pie was fine. Right. It's fine. We got a Discord bot that we can use to keep track of the list of what and now we've got like 130 movies on there but there there are some like cats that will never get watched but right, um right it will but, just pull up 10 at random and then you vote on them so we get a little kind of yeah. a random a random selection though i think at some point i'm going to push for uh terminator 2 and terminator 3 back to back cuz i think oh, ter- terminator 3 is a good is a good second movie because it's not very good I mean, it's, it's terrible, good. but right. It's been well, a long the, time the, since I I've, I've seen it, and a Thursday night might be a good uh, uh, kind of setting for a bad Terminator movie. Sure. Well, I had I I'll tell you what some some experiences that I had from traveling in this this kind of dangerous time uh, was 
a little eye opening on a couple of things for me, um, namely that, and, and I think people have to understand too, is, you know, I've taken maybe what we considered greater risks here in Bloomington than I did there. Like, and, and people are like, oh, you can't go, can't open up beaches, right? And then you see on the news that like they're having massive parties on the beach. Like, yeah, that's true. In Pensacola, there was, it, in the main beach area, there was uh, several hundred people all in the big area together. But that's one half a square, half a mile of beach. And there's hundreds of miles along the beach where everyone else is 30 to 40 yards away from each other. There, there was... Oh, I more. See, I see what you're saying. The news is showing you the worst. Yeah, right. Like mean. it's, it's not. It's not all that. When I, I really enjoyed going to the beach when I was there during the days because it was so amazing how how spread out everyone was. Like families were together, but it was thirty to forty yards, almost a half a football field between the next person. I was mm. definitely there by myself. And then when one person would leave, I've got a football field till the next person. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which was pretty great. It was a little weird because I felt like oh, now sharks are going to get me because I'm the only one out here. Floating. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it, that was so there, there's something you need a little context. You got to think about stuff, because when I went um, as soon as they started opening up like national uh, parks that you can go to and stuff and walk around, I thought that was a great thing to do. You can walk on trails, you can social distance. But I know that all the parks that I go in, in Indiana here, there's people there. You're walking past people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like within three feet of people. Right. Uh, and, and when I was at the beaches, no one, I was felt the most safest in the entire time of Florida when I was at the beaches. Yeah. I know because, you were on camera and there were no other people. Yeah. So, so there's, I, I just said some of that's grain of salt stuff, you know, um, sure. If you go to bars, you're probably going to do it. If you're in Florida, you're most likely to definitely run into somebody sure. that's going to have it as opposed to like taking the risk here in Indiana or, you know, Iowa or whatever. Um, it's a, it's, it's still a risk going out to eat places, but it's more of a risk to go out to eat places, um, in like Florida and things like that. Uh, just be smart wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing, nothing unique about Florida, except it's a big place with a lot of big cities where people could be coming from, you know, all over and all gathered in the same place. It's like, we talked about Gen Con. Um, I'm like, I'm like, I don't like the exhibit hall under normal circumstances. <laughs> sure. I de- there's like, you know, socially awkward people just like physically bumping into each other nonstop. I'm like that. Yeah, that's. And that's something you, you, you go for like, anyway. Like we were talking, people were finally this past week because we're getting together in two weeks. It's the weekend of Gen Con and they're doing events online. And they're like, oh, there's the badge with the badge is free. And somebody said something about the hall, like walk the hall and f- and find out what's going on. Oh, wait, you know, it's kind of a joke. And I'm like, I mentally pictured walking that hall with like, you know, again, awkward nerds, like all bumping into each other with giant backpacks and stuff. And I'm like, oh, terrible. I'm like thinking yeah. about that makes me physically ill. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, so the, in these times, even the busy places in in Florida, like right where they were, everybody was at, was nowhere near as close to what you get with. Yeah, Gen I Con mean, it's people. a unique, like, yeah. um, just just packed in stuff. Even even the hallways sort of in Gen Con are are so close yeah. to everything. But yeah, so so anyway, that all being said, 
I, as safe as possibly could be. Um, I did everything, you know, so I didn't go to places. Always I eat outside, really enjoyed myself. I did not get to do some of the things that I would love to do normal. I do like going to the boardwalk. I do like going and getting an mm. ice cream and ice cream shop. But those things are just, you know, I did get ice cream in one shop, but I got to drive up and there was nobody in there. I'm like, hey, this is a good time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was, for the most part, everyone um, is like all the shops are respecting masks and things like that, which is good. Uh, still with the occasional course, half the people with their noses down, which is, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you know, can you, you can't, you can't tell people how to do things. Um, so, uh, I, I enjoy, I love the ocean. I love the beach. I love just sitting there in Pensacola is white sands, clear water, hmm. totally gorgeous. I went fishing again. I'm not, I'm within 15 feet of the next person fishing and it was just relaxing and fun. Um, I, I had a couple of bites, but nothing. I didn't pull anything out of the water. I hmm. uh, did see lots of dolphins. I saw two sharks, which was cool. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that, it was really just kind of a, I love going out and I love traveling. So it, was, it made me, it did good for me to be able to do that in a, in a responsible way. And I don't know if it, I would be as capable to do that with, if I wasn't solo. Right. Sure. I, I think it's a lot easier for me to, to go up to a place wanting to go eat like shrimp or something out of place and then seeing that it's not available and being a okay with just not going. Right. Sure. But you go with other people. There's where you're going to do, what are you going to do? And then you're complaining and then it's hot and there's right. I, I was able to bo- dodge and weave and, and even have like, you know what? It's too busy. I can go back to the hotel and watch some Netflix for a while. And that's okay. Yeah. That's right. That's a whole thing. Like, I've definitely done both. Um, I spent a big chunk of my adult life living alone, um, even though, you know, I come from a big family. So I'm more used to, you know, the first couple times that I did it, that I spent extended periods of time without other people around, it was really weird. And then, you know, after time, after time, I got used to it. But I was in a situation like that when I saw the movie Cinderella Man. You okay. That with uh, Russell Crowe, who's a boxer. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. I was like, I don't think I saw that, but I did. I was in Canada. Um, I had there's a thing in this area of northern Indiana where my parents live and where I live now, um, where there are Amish people. I th- yeah. We've, we've probably talked about this. Um, they don't drive, and so if they need to get somewhere far, they will hire some. But it's like Uber. Right, but before Uber, and they don't have phones, so they don't use apps. They just call. They have a list of phone numbers. Anyway, I took this group of Amish up to um, uh, outskirts of Toronto to go fishing for a week. And so while they were fishing, I just hung out in a hotel room and like read books and did whatever. But you know, I'd get bored of an afternoon. And I and I drove over to the theater and I'm like, I don't know, I'll just go see what's playing. Like, I don't normally do this, but I'm like, you know, it's a normal theater with six or eight screens. And I'm like, I'm just going to go over there and pick something. And so I get there and I look and I see Russell Crowe, Renee Zellweger. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I know both of them. They're good. Yeah. This, right. this is probably a good movie. I'm like, yeah, give me a ticket to Cinderella Man. And I get Cinderella. inside and they've got the big cardboard uh, promotional things for movies right right inside the theater and the one right. for this movie had boxing gloves on it and i'm like 
uh, what is this? Some kind of boxing movie, like <laughs> some kind of Rocky thing that I'm, you know, I'm not a very sport sporty person. Like I hadn't gotten into uh, watching uh, Colts football or anything at that time yet. Right. And of, and of course I get in there and the movie is great. Like heartwarming, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not necessarily a masterpiece, but, but this just really sweet heartwarming story. And, you know, uh, again, like, Probably a very lot of like, a lot of sports like rock, movies are like honestly a like a uh-huh. you know underdog are, right? triumphing uh, um, kind of thing. But I'm like, yeah, I'm glad it's just a it's one of my it's one of my stories because it's a a unique situation where I was like I went in not knowing anything and had a moment of of doubt and then of course I was inside already. It was too late to to back <laughs> out. Like I wasn't going to not watch it. Um, you know, I, my example of that one is Anchorman Two. I did the same thing, but with Anchorman mm, Two. <laughs> I, I did not know that, and, that was gonna, what it was, and, and you yeah. and you had not seen Anchorman one, right? I had not, so I don't think. I was, well, I shouldn't. Say, I don't think because as a kid, I definitely did that. I saw uh, Back to the Future two before seeing one. I saw oh, parts okay. of um, the second Bill and Ted, but have never seen the first one. Um, <laughs> but funny. I mean, that was when I was a kid. Like, I don't think that I've intentionally just watched a part two of a movie i've done it with many video games though where you know i never played i mean i have now but i had never played the original uh bioshock when i played bioshock 2 Mm. because it had been Mm. the previous console generation and i'm like yeah well i'll just play the second one i did go back and play it because they shipped it with uh three with infinite um same thing with assassin's creed i started the series in number two, of I, the, I did that one as well. Right, yeah. start in the middle. Some of those, you know, it's, you can it's like video games, Raider, not Raider movies. So, like, like you don't yeah. need, you know, right. whatever, whatever prequel in the story. Like, maybe you won't get as much out of it, but you don't need. Although to, Back to the Future Two would have been hard to, to know what the heck, <laughs> right? Right, right. You that would have been. You don't get all the tropes and all the flashbacks, kind of. What, but I what was is happening. Right? You know, I was probably like nine or ten, so I have no. Sure, sure, you know. sure. Uh, so I, I got to watch, I, this last week, speaking of things that I did on, on vacation, I mentioned Netflix when I was on vacation and things I, I got to, I took some time watching some things that, you know, I just want to watch that are, you know, kind of bite sized type things. I watched a show, which is not good and I'm not recommending it. It's called uh, dark matter. It's not terrible. Oh. <laughs> have you, have I've, you ever watched like nineties sci-fi? It's very yeah, much. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I've told you about this show. My okay. my brother Andrew and and his friend like stayed up binging the whole first season at one point. Sure, um, I can see that. It's terrible. <laughs> I I've probably seen like half of it. I've gone back to it a couple times because it's kind of entertaining, and a couple of the actresses in it are very attractive. But it's right. so like starting from the from the opening theme. I'm like, oh, the this was made by people who really really loved the sci-fi in the nineties that wasn't Star Trek with none of which right. I, none of which I ever watched like, um, yeah. um, Lex and Babylon yep. five and Far- Farscape, Farscape, like that, yeah. uh, maybe yeah. Stargate stuff though. I feel like that was a little bit later starting to get yeah, a little sure. more refined. Um, right. No, Star Stargate's a fair, a fair okay. comparison. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I think that whole kind of thing where I'm like, uh, what's going on here. And then like, one of the characters will be delivering a whole little speech and I'm like, 
this guy has an expression on his face that does not match what he's saying. Doesn't match the tone <laughs> of what he's saying. I'm like, this is this is not yeah. this is like worse than CW level. Um, yeah, it's um, acting. I, I, the only thing I can think about with that show is that it really does feel. You know, here's the thing: people come out of, um, like, film school all the time, right? <laughs> sure. They, like, right? They do, and and they don't. I'm just. They have to have. They have to be this. able to do things, right? And they start somewhere. True. Why true. would? Why wouldn't this be? No, I'm not saying that they're a 23 year old person directing this film, but why wouldn't they be? What What do 23 to 25 to 26 year olds direct? Oh, you I mean, mean you mean the showrunners? I thought you meant the actors. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, no, uh, not the actors. I'm I, talking about like the, the showrunners. Like they 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 don't start out as grips. Right. They go to directing school to be directors. Right. And then and then they probably get like on a TV show that's like this low budget sci fi show. Yeah. Right. Well, they, I and, think, and, and I'm not saying that's with this because but it sure felt like that. I think there's right? overlap with writers and directors on TV. Like, though. Yes. It's like yes. when you watch. Um, I, I, I hope that I don't bring this up every week, but on the Office Ladies podcast, they had Mindy Kaling on who Mindy Kaling was one of the writers and, uh, you know, Greg Daniels created the show and often, you know, several times directed, but there was a different director um, every episode. Not, you know, there weren't a hundred some directors like directors would repeat, but one director would direct the episode and they would also have one writer on the episode. But they had a team of writers like, um, you know, if you know the characters, Toby, um, Kelly and and Ryan were all writers and they had a couple right. of writers who didn't also act like Greg was a writer and um, Mike Schur, who played Bose, he was a writer, but you know, they would pick whoever's idea it was. And if they hadn't had a writing credit for a while would, um, would be the writer. And I think a lot of writers, you know, become directors like they write for a while and then they get a chance to direct an episode and then maybe another episode and then when they finish that show maybe they get another show but i've yeah i've definitely seen stuff like that where either the writing or the direction you're like oh this is somebody's not their first time but it's like this is this is one of their first like half a dozen projects oh oh get this so so I'm wrong with them, them being new, but it's the way it felt. <laughs> but but you're gonna love this. Okay. I just looked up the, the, the showrunners for Dark Matter TV series. Okay. Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully. Both of them, they only have credit. They're writing and producing credits. They only have one other show they've ever done, and they've done a lot of it. Stargate. Stargate mm. SG one, Stargate Atlantis, <laughs> Stargate Universe. That's all they did, and you're uh, like, you nailed it right uh, that one. <laughs> They I, only did those, and I, they did them together. I almost, so, I almost gave Stargate a pass. I've never watched Stargate. I mean, I've seen the movie, but <laughs> I, I watched the, the ton of it. It's, it's one of those that, like, okay, don't watch season one or two. Season, it's very much Star Trekky, where you know you it gets much better later on. Hmm. But anyway, um, so I watched that show, and because I've been watching Voyager, and I've just watched so much Voyager that I had to like take a little bit of a break here and there from it. Uh, I decided that one would be my thing, and it's. It's not great. It's um man, how do how do you describe this? It's uh, uh bad characters and and as I, I started thinking about it as I'm watching like episode 4 or 5, I'm thinking, okay, what do I what will make this better for me? What what can I maybe this guy dies and maybe that guy dies and then it'll get better? And then I started thinking like, no, I kind of want 
almost the whole cast to die. Right. It's I not even maybe got, like maybe one or two all safe. I've watched a couple of those other sci-fi fantasy um series that came out of came out of Canada. Like I think they're usually yeah. um uh sci-fi network and Oh or, yeah, out of Vancouver and stuff. Yeah, there's I feel like there's a separate network that does more fantasy um stuff, but I watched a show called Continuum um, I saw some of that. Yeah, I saw some of that. I watched a show called Lost Girl. Um, mm-hmm. The actress who plays the android in Dark Matter is in Lost Girl, and I've oh, this feels very much Lost Girlish. I've seen very few of the Lost Girls, Lost Girl cast in other things. I think the the female su- main supporting lead um, was in a show called Turn about okay. the Revolutionary War and George Washington mm-hmm. stuff. That's an AMC um, series. But this was like, I don't know. It was right in this middle ground where it just didn't it didn't grab me. Like, it wasn't campy or sexy enough to keep me watching despite it being bad. Like, you know, by campy, I mean, like, good, bad kind of stuff. Like... I feel that way kind of about uh, the CW series Rain, where, like, it's all kind of terrible, but uh, some of the actors seem like they're in on it, and, you know, it's 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 right. ridiculous enough that you, you're, you're kind of compelled to keep watching. Um, one of the things I remember about Dark Matter is there are two uh, male leads that are ambiguous. Like, I can't, I forget which one is which. Right. Okay. You know what I'm. Sure. You know who I'm talking about. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're also very, they're very much like caricatures. Mm-hmm. They, you know, like oh god. Um. And he, here's another reason why, even though we're talking about this, I'm not recommending it is because it has three seasons. They canceled it after the three season. It's not coming back, and because sci-fi owns it, it's a big deal. Um. But it left on a cliffhanger. So you're not going to watch this show and think like you're going to get any resolution. It's going to be the the opposite of that. You're going to watch this and have no resolution. So and and um, that's not always yeah. and that's not always enough, right? Like that happened with Deadwood, and I would still, you know, with a lot of caveats about what it is, I would still recommend Deadwood to anyone who sure. showed interest. Um, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But 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 this one this one has like there's things that are kind of drawing you on to watch the next things to like find out mm-hmm. you know. Okay, what's what's this girl's story, or what's that? You kind of want to know those, and they're not. And so at least those will pull you on in this one. But knowing that they don't even resolve those is probably going to even worse. Did you uh, watch? So anyway, it? Yeah. Did you uh, go, go ahead and finish? Oh no, I was going to say I watched Dark Matter, and then I was going to say I watched something else, which uh, I was talked to you about. So go ahead. Um, did you watch any of uh, the Rookie? I did not. Not the movie with. Kevin, no, you're, Kevin Costner. Isn't the rookie the one is. with uh, Nathan Fillion? With Nathan Fillion. Um, no, I did not. I watched uh, the, his other show, and I was like, I got enough the, of him being a cop guy. The main, the main female um, actress, <laughs> the main female actress, awesome, uh, in mm-hmm. in Dark Matter, the one that's not... Mm-hmm. Like the captain girl? girl. Yeah. Um, she is in that show as a, a kind of... Uh, I mean vaguely taboo um uh love interest with nathan fillion oh okay yeah 
I don't, I, yeah, she's just she's probably the ones that one of the ones I would keep on that show. Like, she, okay, if you're gonna kill everybody off, keep maybe her. She's a she's she a decent actor in that in that cast yeah, of she, not very good actors. Right. Um. So I watched that. I did watch. I started watching Doom Patrol last night. I think you've watched that already, right? Yeah. Yeah. A while ago. Yeah. They're um. Uh, they did. They started. They're in season two now. Which I've only, oh, nice. I've only seen the well, first one of. That, that's good to know because um, I've watched like three episodes so far. Um, it's it, interesting. It's a weird show. It's kind of intense. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's interesting. Re- reinforced uh, my love of uh, Alan Tudyk. He, yeah, he's of course fantastic. As even more fantastic, Brendan Fraser not being Brendan Fraser is probably better. Like his mm-hmm. his scenes where he's not Robot Man are like okay, but when he is Robot Man, he's kind of great. Yeah. Um. And and I gotta say it's a, it's it's a lot with the writing. I think I think the writing is is helping this show be okay because it's just it's so quirky and unique. Um, it's I love the narrator Alan Tudyk how he mm-hmm. just he sets everything you're thinking before you think it, <laughs> right? And and he and they're just so out there with it. Oh, it's another superhero movie. We don't need one of those, right? And then right. he'll mention it being DC and and getting uh, subscriptions. And I'm like, this is great. This is not just breaking the fourth wall. It's also like telling you exactly what you want to eye roll at. It's so, yeah, it's so, it's almost too self-aware, but it's so, I mean, it's the same. I wonder how much overlap there is with the people who made this and the people who made Harley Quinn, because I've not seen anything else that they're doing DC original. I know they, they did like a Teen Titans uh, yeah, thing and, Titans. and some stuff like that. So I can't vouch for anything else that they're doing on on DC Universe, which is DC's uh streaming service um but these are both really good yeah yeah so except i'm only i'm only what happened recently was without giving any spoilers away there was a donkey (laughs) and then yeah that's like the second episode right and then that ended so with the donkey and that's where i'm at so i guess i'm at episode three um but yeah it's 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 so interesting and and the characters are maintaining their interest because mm-hmm. they all feel like they should not be interesting. Like <laughs> right. robot man does not feel like he should be interesting. Right. right. He feels one note, but he, he is Uh same with the girl with 64 personalities. You think, okay, that's, that's going to be overwhelming too much, but it, it seemed to be doing okay still so far. Mm-hmm. The, the actress with the turns into monster, it seems like a, you can't go anywhere with that, mm-hmm. but it kind of does. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really liking this, and I think I, I, this one that I'll stay through for that. There's only like 13 episodes, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and finally, one that I think you may have watched too. I got to watch the um, oh, what's the um, the old guard? Uh, old guard, yes. Yeah, so that's an Charlie interesting. Old guard. Um, that's a that's an interesting transition because one of the things I'm sure that I've mentioned this before when we've talked about um, uh, fiction with. Uh, vampires not not all yeah, of it sure. but this was a thing i noticed particularly in um uh true blood which i can't really recommend it's so trashy but <laughs> same here watch it terrible trashy um but i'm fascinated by the idea and of course it didn't start with with uh, i guess i should finish a thought before i jump into the next one uh <laughs> fa- fascinated with the storytelling possibilities of characters that are are either immortal or very long uh, lived, lived, however you yeah. say that. Um, right. I, I don't know where I was first exposed to this. One of the earliest things that I can remember is a, 
is a Disney, I assume it's Disney, um, sort of kids movie called Tuck Everlasting. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't it's, remember the show, but I know seeing it. It's um, Alexis Bledel, who's probably best known now for Gilmore Girls. Okay. Um, she finds his family who they stopped aging, right? They're just, they're just stopped. And it's a sort of, it's a sort of love story there, but um, they do it in, in true blood. Just the idea of like, Oh, this, this person was a Viking, like the real Vikings, you know, it's whichever Skarsgård plays that character. Um, And I'm like, that's fascinating. Like he still has a kind of thing, even the, the quote unquote young, main vampire bill like um was a soldier in the civil war and so that you know there are all these old like history buffs and whatever who want to talk to him like vampires it's a little different because they live you know sort of outside of the world right so they don't yeah uh experience experience a lot of events but they do a little bit of that in doom patrol and it's not really it's not really ever explained. It's just some part of whatever gives these people quote unquote powers or I was wondering if they ever tell you, explain that they're they're like 50, 60 years old, but they don't age. Not so far. Like you get the sort of sense. I don't really understand what the deal is with Jane, but like with, um, the mummy guy, whatever. Not that's funny. Not Brendan Fraser, the guy with the wrappings uh, all, all over him. You know, he's whatever is the radiation thing, energy entity keeping him alive is just stopped him. Like he's just being kept alive by this thing. It's kind of similar to uh, zombies or or vampires. Um, And the actress has the thing that makes her body not a normal body. So it doesn't age. And yeah, it just feels like, okay, that's just what like, yeah, like, like none of it's explained, but whatever it is, the characters just live forever and don't change. Um, and, and Jane seems to be physically modern age person. So she's kind of like, yeah, not she, from a long yeah, time. She ago. might be not from history. They don't really show her in any significant flashbacks or anything, but you get this sense of like, you know, the one guy grew up in, you know, just pre world war two and the actress was an adult in the thirties. So like they're going through, it's not super long. It's not like nobody was alive at the time of Christ, like some right, right. vampire stories you get, but uh, this right. movie, which I thought was a show when you mentioned it, but I started watching yeah. it and I was like, oh, it's so long. What is, oh, it's just, it's a movie. So I watched it in, in two sittings. Um, mm-hmm. and it was good. It had a lot of, uh, um, crazy action. Um, I don't know if you it want did. to, do you want to do a whole spoilers thing yeah sure we should probably do a spoilers thing on it okay so we're going to talk about the netflix original movie the old guard yeah so my first thing i've heard people talk about this is they were comparing it to highlander Mm -hmm. which is was my first experience with you know these people kind of living forever type thing besides vampires i thought it was like wherever i heard about it i thought it was like a sequel or a spin-off Oh yeah, no, it's just Which it's just not. its own thing. But people, the, the only similarities is that they're people who live in the world normally, right? Like they just can't die. That that's their only thing. They don't have right. like super strength or Mm-mm. super speed or anything. They just their only unique thing is that they just don't die. And and that's Highlander has the same kind of thing is that they just don't die. But Highlander has a whole mythos with like there can be only one and 
you know, yeah, sword fighting. He like he, becomes one like with the universe at the end, and they like there's <laughs> yeah, lightning yeah. and stuff. It's there. It's weird, right? And, and this this one has some mythology to it, but it's not. It's really again, it's just them. Like they don't know why it's happening or right. how, what causes it to end or anything. Or, you know, and there is some kind of a thing that they lead on to, like, hey, they're maybe chosen or kind of a type thing. You know, or what they do is special, right? Um, but but it's not it's not to the Highlander level of stuff. So I I can't really compare it to that. The only similarities is that they live they live you know forever, um, and and I I enjoyed it. First off, I I knew that you're not a, generally not an action guy, but this had some really great action stuff in it. It did that not not John Wick caliber, but still pretty cool. <laughs> um, and it, it also felt very real. Like, um, they used guns and melee weapons. I might right. mention this in a chat or something. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like they, for the longest time, she used like this kind of ax type thing. She just, double, that was her weapon. Double sided half moon ax kind of thing. Yeah. So it makes sense that she would still have that with her and use it in fighting, but she still is still really good with weapons because like guns and things. Well, um, and so it's not like she didn't use those. Yeah. And the, the whole maybe not the whole thing, but a big part of, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight is that you don't want to get shot while you're charging somebody with a knife. Well, right. if your version of getting shot is like paintball or laser tag, I guess paintball is the best analogy because it still hurts. Um, yeah. Like you, you don't care about getting shot. I mean, you don't, don't care because they have the whole thing where at any point the yeah. immortality could, could end could right. end and they don't know when so they're not reckless necessarily but right um you're like yeah it's you're perfectly fine getting into melee range because the the bullets are not going to stop you right and, and and they they still will shoot people at a distance right and and use it in kind of combat but you know they they're just as efficient at using the weapon that they've always used so anyway that was really good how they did that. And I thought it was kind of seamlessly done. They didn't overdo either one or the other or like with Highlander, they don't use guns. They only use swords. Like, no, well, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, the characters were pretty good. I liked some of the, the, the acting was pretty great. Um, I, I, I enjoyed things like, um, the two, like the couple, the two guys, mm -hmm. like several times they didn't take things a whole lot seriously, which made sense for somebody who just doesn't die sure right they like you you can torture me but you can't kill me so they could be a little bit jokier right right it's right. like no matter what you do and then there was some really cool interesting things which was the like they told the story about the lady being dropped underwater for which when they do witches and stuff oh yeah yeah that was the that, that was like deep that was the cliffhanger ending yeah and the cliffhanger ending with it and like well that i mean that's a when they did that little story, first off, you knew it was going to something was going to happen with that. They but, wouldn't tell you that if it was just backstory for Andy for her, right? But it, that was that's something I'd never really guess thought about. Like it's you don't take a vampire, killing them is one thing, but put him in a box and put him at the bottom of the ocean with with chains, like oh my god! And they even show that scene where she like dies and then wakes up and then drowns and then wakes up and then drowns. I'm like, whoa, that's really, really heavy. Yeah, that's um, when the closest thing you get to something like that is like something like that happens and then it doesn't take very long 
and the person just goes insane. Like their their yeah. cognitive functions just stop because they. Can't. Man, I want to say actually they did do that in um, what you just said, True Blood. I think there was a a, a a series in True Blood where one person had been like buried in their coffin and could not get out, mm. um, and they and they found them. But but remember. still, yeah, that 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 whole concept is like when you live forever. And, you know, no one could find her, right? They just dumped her in the ocean. Uh, that's That was that was heavy. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did not like the main bad guy. I couldn't stand that actor. Just could not. Um, oh. You know, talk about the CEO dude. Yeah, whatever. He, was, he was hateable. He was very hateable and just not in a good way, like a Loki way. He was just hateable because, like, God, who would follow that guy? <laughs> um, anyway... Um, I liked it a lot. I liked, I just liked the story and I mean, hopefully they'll make another one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the, the world is interesting. It didn't over explain any, any of the things The you know, you have this classic sort of interaction between the new, um, you know, convert or whatever. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, you know, master and apprentice kind of thing, reluctant master. And reluctant apprentice, <laughs> and and doesn't it feel like a hundred percent set up for a, a series? Like it just feels like it's a set up for a series. So, set up for something, yeah. I mean, they it's all getting it's like either a, the, either a, a series of, together, and, uh, either a series of movies or a um or or a series of movies, a series of movies yes. or a TV series. Series, yeah, something because you know they 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 spend a lot of the movie getting to the point where they've got this now guy on their team who's going to help them do good and then you reveal the what seems like the master villain and you recruit a new young blood person on the team and and it all comes to the culmination at the end but then you're like oh that's just the beginning it feels like they just started this so yeah. uh yeah i i was glad that i watched it i i do want more but i don't need more but it was very cool to 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 watch it yeah for um, sure yeah Ugh. You got lots of stuff going on. Um, you want to talk about our, speaking of movies and doing old movies, do you want to uh, talk about our 2020 challenge this week? We got a horror thing happening. Yeah. Let's, um, before that, do you want to briefly uh, post, post spoilers, final judgments on, on Old Guard? Oh, sure. Uh, my thoughts on Old Guard, it was good. It's um, uh, good acting, good story. It feels like it's, a, uh, it gives you a complete story, but feels like it's definitely, set up to be something more either more movies or more series um or yeah tv series whatever yeah so that's how i feel about the end yeah good in a good way all of it was hit good points i i also enjoyed it there was nothing really to to dislike like it was good yeah nothing dislike, and and i felt like i spent my time well right Mm -hmm. like it didn't feel it it was like i could see how you think as long thinking it was going to be like a an hour-long show but um Expecting it to be a movie, it was. I mean, it's in at something. It's like Netflix. Like I know that they make both, but so much right. of what Netflix does is series. So I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a show about some immortals, and then I'm like, oh, it's just a movie. Okay, cool. I can I can handle Wh- that. Which kind of would have been great if it was set up to be like a show. And Amazon originals are so hit and miss. Uh, Amazon Netflix originals. Well, the Amazon ones are too, but <laughs> Amazon ones too. Yeah, right. they're they're so hit or miss. Um, uh, this one is good. It's better than most of the movies. Uh, Netflix yeah, original in, movies that now that seen. I think about it in that context, it's even better, right? <laughs> like yeah. compared to the other I'm, things that they throw out that there. Bar for you know something new, some new content in in 2020. Clearly, you know something they made last year. So 
Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's do our movie. Uh, this week we watched another Roman Polanski. Uh, this one of his earlier films, uh, 1968's uh, Rosemary's Baby. Now it's to be noted that neither you or I are generally big horror fans. Nope. Right. That's true. This is so we, we come into it with that. This is horror, but uh, I mean, re- I mean it's not relatively mild. It has almost none of the things that I hate about horror genre. Yeah. So right. let's um let's hit the bell and and do some. Spo- wait, 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 wait! Okay. Before we hit the spoiler bell, you want to give in case someone's curious about what Rosemary the plot of Rosemary's Baby is. Okay. Well, I can read whether they're interested in. I'll read the synopsis off uh, off IMDb. It says. <laughs> A young couple trying for a baby move into a fancy apartment surrounded by peculiar neighbors. And and it's set in 1960s, right? Or 70s, 60s, uh, 70s. 65 and 66. Okay. So, and it's square in that. When you're going to watch it, you're like. Yeah. The, the. Yeah. Like a lot of the internet, it feels, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say, but to me, being relatively young for how old this movie is, it reminded me a lot of Mad Men. Okay, because because it's that same like Mad Men starts in 1960, so you get a lot of the 60s like decor and aesthetics and and um, uh, wardrobe, not wardrobe, like yeah, style co- costume costumes. Very the, very, stylistic. you know what I mean. The clothes of, set in that time, all yeah. of the the dre- and, and natural too. Not not like they're trying to set it in the 60s. Like this was in the it 60s, was the so. 60s. So yeah, they're yeah. they're like it's set a couple years earlier from when it was made. And uh, right, yeah, it's it's a very good uh, example of the time period that it's that it was made in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so spoiler bell. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I I like that you said it's not all the horror things that you don't usually associate with this because i agree with that you know They're, horror i think it's jump scares yeah. scary spooky or bloody and gory J- jump, and it had none of those. jump scares so any kind of like you know a person's really quietly looking through a thing and sitting down and then either there's a big music thing or the scene transition cuts to like a train going by so it's quiet and it's really loud and you're startled and i'm like that's such a yeah. cheap like manipulative stuff. And I know that like, that's one of the things that horror fans love. Like they want to just experience that raw emotional uh, yeah. uh, kind of thing. And it's not, it doesn't work for me. Well, I mean it does. And it makes me angry. I, I just <laughs> feel, sure. I just feel manipulated. Uh, this movie, well, the, this, this movie had none of that. None of that. Um, it, so would you call it psychological horror? Definitely, definitely psychological horror. Um, okay. It's very uh, slow burn. Slow building. Slow burn, um, slow burn. This movie, it won one Oscar, and that Oscar win was for Ruth Gordon, best actress in a supporting role. Oh, that's the neighbor. That's lady? the neighbor. It's the old lady neighbor. It it was also sure. nominated um, best writing screenplay based on material from another medium, which is a weird long way of saying. <laughs> that's uh, right screenwriting for an adaptation right because this is based on a book and one of the things i read in imdb trivia is that this is sometimes acknowledged as one of the most true um 
movies adapted from a book like most true to the book oh okay um and the the reason given for that is that roman polanski had never done an adaptation before and didn't realize that he could deviate from the source material he was like so he just made the source material the book looks like this so i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and it mostly works as a story um sure i'll say the things the things that i noticed were a lot now there were definitely times where i zoned out and got a little lost with what for, was going sure. on but there were there were definitely times where i was very engaged like yeah they would do something and the neighbors would call and there'd be a reaction from um mia farrow or the husband and i just uh really they're gonna do like i felt the way that she felt in the in the situation yeah. because of the way that people were acting and reacting around right. and there are a lot i didn't these weren't so um they weren't so drastic that i noticed them but when i was reading the trivia and then thought back about it there are many very long takes in the movie like yeah. there's a whole scene in a phone booth that's all one continuous shot um okay but it's but it's subtle enough that I didn't notice it like I did when I saw 1917, which looks like one continuous shot, but isn't actually because, you know, it's 2019 and they can, right. they can, uh, or like in serenity when they do the long shot at the beginning, right. That they go all the way through the shot, the ship and it's a clear um, thing. Long cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Those things are in there, but I don't, I mean, I noticed some things like in Vertigo when they did dolly zooms mm-hmm. and drove around in the car for 45 minutes. If that's, if that's what they were doing. New. Right. Uh, but like, I guess I just didn't, maybe I just wasn't good enough to have a film student in college to know those things. Right. And it, and it didn't, it didn't affect, I don't think it affected me. No. And so I, the, I can't, I mean, there, yeah, I, I, I mentioned that, that I didn't really notice it until, until, re- but I did, I was aware of what seemed to all be very deliberate, very specific, like framing, cinematography, movement, reaction, like everything felt very intentional. Okay. Um, the only time where that was overt um, was a scene, and they actually did this twice, or m- maybe I should just say uh, Roman Polanski did this twice, but... Um, when I saw it, I remembered reading or, or hearing about it when I took film appreciation in college. Um, there's a scene where the husband goes into the bedroom to make a phone call because that's where the phone is. That's a you yeah. know, old tech, like the phone in the wall, and they only have one. Um, mm-hmm. He goes into the bedroom to make a phone call, and the camera just pans and follows him go down the hall and into the bedroom. Or I think it does. At any rate, the camera is pointed at the bedroom door from the outside of the apartment. And you just see the foot of the bed and the room. And um, I did a thing that, you know, all the when they showed this in the theater, all the audience audience did, too. And it's more it's a little more obvious later because the neighbor lady does that. And you see like half of her. Right. She's sitting on mm-hmm. the bed. And so you just see half of her. And of course, a traditional conventional filmmaker cinematographer would go, well, this is bad. You've got to pan 
like the subject is out of the view, right? Like they're cut mm -hmm. off by the, the, the door frame of this thing, but it, it makes you curious as a viewer. And when they showed it in theaters, everybody in the theater leaned over to their right to try and look around through that door, which obviously you can't do right. Unless you're, yeah. unless you're in Blade Runner and you've got that camera uh, right, thing right. that can move around. But, um, it's just a, and because I had heard about it before, I noticed it when it happened. Um, but if you're, if you're thinking about it academically and trying to explain things like you, the things that a filmmaker does to, to frame a shot and put are are trying to evoke emotions in the viewer. Right. And so you see something like that and you're, and you're curious the same way that, um, that Rosemary is curious, um, to, uh, to just figure out what's going on because there's so much, happening that's not it doesn't start out sinister right it just yeah. it starts out kind of odd well let's just back that back that up um it starts out normal and then is a little annoying and then becomes a little bit more annoying a little tiresome and then a little strange and a little more strange a little more uneasy a little more off-putting mm -hmm. and it goes it goes through this pro progression as she gets more uncertain and suspicious and then you know the characters around her start gaslighting her the doctor and her husband and 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 stuff like right. that um all the way to the finale the climax of the story yeah yeah i i mean i we have this talk occasionally when we have these kind of films that are on the list because because of their art appreciation part and maybe i should say i'm gonna have that talk again is it like it does rock great and i do appreciate how they make you do things and how they're conveying stuff but i don't know if that made it a fun enough experience for me. And, and, <laughs> sure and, and it may again again it may just be because you know i wasn't in 1966 and saw this for the first time and never experienced that kind of stuff. And maybe now I kind of do or get those emotions a different way. Uh, it, so it wasn't new and amazing to me. Right. right. Uh, so like, again, Dolly zooms and vertigo that would have blew my mind. Right. And stuck with me forever and been like, this is something you need to experience when I see it all the time. Right. Like I just like, you mean in jaws, things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and here, Maybe I haven't seen those specific things, but they're fine and I can appreciate that, but it just doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like that made the movie spectacular. And, and again, I'm not knocking this movie cause I don't know what, I honestly don't know where I land on this movie. It's, it's yeah. Okay. I mean, you, I'll, I'll sort of draw a distinction between, um, movies that are significant as art and movies yeah. that are significant as film. Yeah. Right. Like it's a weird distinction because art is kind of a large meta category, but like, right. um, in Bruges, I think is a movie that's significant as art. Um, uh, 2001, a space odyssey art. Um, art, sure. Uh, this movie, uh, vertigo, you mentioned good, bad and the ugly. 
are significant as cinema, as films. Um, yeah. Same thing sure. with like, I don't know, m- maybe Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. Who else? Really like distinctive. Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah. Distinctive directors that are more, uh, that are more auteurs. Um, yeah. I feel like there's at least one more that I'm not thinking of now. Which is interesting but, because you're right. I think I think sometimes when somebody has never seen like a Wes Anderson movie, I would say, I would give advice to say, you know, hey, you, you should see that to experience what it's like to see something oddly different right. and, and, and enrich your life, right? I, I definitely would agree with things like that. Again, I, I don't remember what I landed on Grand Budapest Hotel, but I, I definitely see the value in watching something that's different. And and not the norm, so you're not stuck in watching aliens the whole time or <laughs> right, whatever, right? right. Some, um, something that's not um, that's not just the same sort of mass market, you know. Nothing against any of that stuff. It's very popular, makes a lot of money. Um, you know, we we've raved about Infinity War and Endgame. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. something that was revolutionary in its time, or um, just put a lot of pieces together really well. I think for me, a lot of what carried this movie is Mia Farrow's performance. I don't know how sure, she didn't sure. get nominated for an Oscar. I don't know what else came out in 1968. So that might be uh, right. part of it. That's always a, that's always a conversation. Right. Yeah. She, she was actually, I thought most of them were, except for maybe guy, the, the husband mm-hmm. were, were normal. They all seem to, the idea is that, they're living, they're living a normal life and there's things going wrong. And, and it's like you said, the whole point actually, the movie is gaslighting, right? It, that is this movie. Yeah. Like making her feel that she's, she's just wrong and she's not smart or she's not in charge or she's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's this whole movie and doing it slowly. It's slow poison. This movie is explaining to you slow poison. Right, that, that yeah. you know, she gets po- almost literally. She takes a poison almost every day. Right. Um. So, and that's what this movie is, and that's maybe something that that I didn't care too much about it because I I got bored. Right. Yeah. Like I, I started when she went to the funeral and got the book. Then I started to actually pay attention to the show. Like I was distracted up until that point the whole time. It, it was okay, and <laughs> yeah, you know, I. There, there were a few hooks in there about the house and you know there was a, a girl that died from the top floor and the neighbors are wacky sure this is uh this is kind of a terrible thing to say but i was more engaged before they changed her hair <laughs> which is a ridiculous sure, thing no, to that, say. That, that's a good point but when that happens like yeah. there's not a lot else going on it's just a little bit of character building a little bit of of world building and um you know Mia Farrow's performance is so, uh, like, I don't know, glamorous isn't the right word, but it's that, it's that kind of Audrey Hepburn. Very, um, yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that too. I agree. I think that that first half, I, I, I guess I should walk that back a little bit. I'm not trying to say it was awful. I did maybe even said the word boring, but it was, it, it, it there wasn't anything story wise that was like it's drawing me forward. It's a and, it's a very slow burn, and it doesn't take very long for you to get like within the first scene or two, you get as the audience you get a sense of unease, right? 
but it takes a right. a long time to build into well until she gets the book right but the book, up right. until that point there's just a lot of little things that are kind of and um i mean i don't know that's good and bad right it's the kind of thing where we don't we unfortunately don't have quite the patience for it as they might have yeah. in that time though it's sure. it's no slower than brokeback mountain um it's true and that was true, yeah. that was only like 10 years ago 13 years ago right um yeah it's it's uh she 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 does great i i actually i like that you brought up katherine hepburn and stuff because there, there are actors and actresses um in that time period and before who glamorous was that that's a really good descriptor that you said it's kind of they got their own look and feel and Cary Grant and yeah, I mean, you know, gl- Jimmy Stewart and things. They're very, they're, they're just so interesting to watch. And Mia Farrow on this one was kind of like that too. Not was, like glamorous. Interesting just yeah. Glamorous seems like the wrong word to me because that seems like, like fancy. Um, yeah, not, not glamorous. Like the girl from doom patrol, not that glamorous. <laughs> right. 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 Um, more like, um, more like Audrey Hepburn in breakfast at Tiffany's. Like a yes. just a just a a you know classic beauty, but in a casual um sort of way, yeah. right? Like you mostly yeah. just at least for the first act, you mostly just see her hanging around the apartment, um, yeah, and and interacting with these increasingly obtrusive neighbors that you you find out are literal witches, yeah. Um, so w- then it gets into the, the that second or third act, I can't remember what act, which act this is, where they, she gets the book and she starts going on and thing, and then all of a sudden you starting for me, starting from the book is probably the third act, and then starting with the the dream sequence kicks off the second act. I would say. Oh right, yeah, that's that that whole yeah. See, a lot of that before too was just weird, right? Like I didn't know. I mean, they they had some sex scenes in there, mm-hmm. and I was like. Besides that, the dream sequence where she gets pregnant and pregnated, right? Uh, it, it's there's just some weird sex scenes and weird scenes. Like I don't know what's happening here. And then they do have the weird sex, you know, Satan sex scene, and mm-hmm. you're like that's even weirder, right? Um, and so it just felt odd. A lot of it did. And then it, I said, then the third act happened with the book, mm-hmm. and then for me, it was like, okay, now there's the story. You and I have talked about kind of how, how I see things and not just in movies but in games too it's like i i want to i want to feel progression i want to feel <laughs> like i've got a goal not necessarily that i have to get to the goal but i want to know that i'm i'm progressing right. right something's you know figuring it out or paying attention and living in the moment type thing we're, yeah and because push, of this is a slow burn a revel- there's a, um, resolution yeah some kind of a thing or, or whatever and, and get that excitement even if it's a, a not exciting thing get that discovery or mystery or whatever. And you didn't have, I didn't feel there was, there was anything up until that point. There was a little bit, but it was so nebulous. And then at that point, it starts to become more overt. And you're like, oh, now there's a thing. And what's this happening? And all of a sudden there became huge gaslighting. And it was, um, you know, you weren't, you were, you, I started to get really concerned for her. And I mean, I started getting concerned before, but you start really worried Right, and I get yeah. sort of getting emotional and paying attention to it. And that part, at that yeah, point, it's not it was a like, that was interesting. Yeah, it's not like a, um, like a Marvel movie or handful of other things where you're like, oh, a character is a character is beat down, right? Like they're they're not bullied, but like 
they're pushed and they're and they're pushed and they're pushed and you're like eventually they're gonna snap and they're gonna start just you know going john wick on some dudes and you're like this is a 24 year old very pregnant you know like wisp of a of a a woman like she's not going anything on anybody like worst case like best case scenario she's gonna get a knife and maybe take out one you know (laughs) maybe stab the doctor before her husband takes the knife away from her like she is which which makes it more impactful right like it's right you're like because you're like like she is you have to call the police she is helpless in this like she and you know yeah and then they go through the whole thing where she tries to get help and you're at least for me as the audience i was pretty sure that the doctor was not trustworthy like he didn't he seemed not not overt like not which doctor the dr hill dr hill dr hill i was like he doesn't seem like he's he's helpful and friendly but not really enough and i'm like is that is that just a 60s thing where like he seems he seems a little bit chauvinist a little bit misogynist but i'm like it's the 60s literally our entire culture was that way everyone was so like, bad like, like you know when we talked at the beginning of this about being set in the time period that's this one right this, i mean there's a whole this one was there's so a whole era of of post-war medicine in the in the quote-unquote first world where doctors were giving you know uh prescribing speed you know diet pills to to housewives and we were doing electroshock therapy and all of this just not not quite i mean electroshock therapy is barbaric but other just like really um manipulative i mean the whole the whole thing the whole stigma of hysteria right is is very misogynistic um yeah and so and and so i wasn't sure like is that is that that character being untrustworthy or is that just normal cultural in the time and obviously i actually took him as normal cultural at the time i i felt that he was just like i leaned yeah I leaned, it's a woman i leaned toward you know. that but i was like i don't know if she can trust this guy and of course she couldn't yeah right and of course and of course and the my thing was that she came back and said like you know well i better call the husband when she's going like being a woman i thought oh man that's very 60s right. there right that's that's sad mark in the world right but that's that's exactly was a normal thing. I'm sure movie watchers at the time were like, yeah, that's probably what would happen, you know, and right. which, again, makes her feel hopeless the whole time um, and makes you as the audience hopeless, which I thought was good. So when I say I don't know where I come down on this, it's like ah, the first half. I understand it. I get it. I know why it's there. I know it's a slow burn and it does make the second half better. But I just just I just wasn't that interested in it as much. Um and then the second half was okay, and the resolution was interesting, the ending. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just, I don't know. I just, the ending, I don't know. Yeah. The ending was not what I expected. It got, you know, I, I talked just a couple minutes ago about how helpless uh, me, uh, Rosemary was throughout the movie. And then it gets to that finale, and it's so, it's almost surreal, right? Like she comes in there. Well, I said that thing about a knife. She gets a knife and goes in there and you're like, uh, what's she going to do? Is she going to stab somebody like at least the neighbor lady or something? And then you're like, okay, well she's probably going to kill the baby or 
grab the baby and jump out the window or something. Um, It's another sort of fascinating, um, fascinating is too strong of a word, but another interesting filmmaking choice that they don't show the baby. Like you get a flash of like um, its eyes of, of the eyes in a in a, a fade fade over effect, but they never show the baby. It's just described, and so like in what was it Jaws when he does the autopsy? Yeah, uh, I think that's Jaws, and he just describes everything that he's seeing as the the doctor does as he's examining this body, mm-hmm. but they don't show us the body, and I'm like that's good in a time when you don't like yes people want to go to the movies and see blood and gore and and you know special right. effects but in a time where you can't make special effects believable that good. everybody has to yeah. you know suspend disbelief now we can do pretty much anything but at the time yeah, and, they could they didn't need to show rosemary's baby no they, i mean they really did i mean this is a right. book if you're reading it you read a description of what the baby looks like and you picture like Maybe yeah. weird yellow slitted eyes and and hooves instead of feet or something. Who knows? Right. Um, yeah. And so I thought, uh, you know, I thought maybe she was going to do something, and then she doesn't, and that's almost the most shocking. Yeah, that she just kind of gives into it type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't love which, I don't love which, ambiguous yeah. endings. I don't think too many people do. It's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, and, and that's, it's, this definitely had that it's too. It's frustrating. Like, you, you don't, um, and, and, and the bad guys win. I mean, as quote unquote say, the bad guys win. The like, bad guys win. She, that's true. The, 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 the gaslighting is successful and then she goes crazy and then they win and they kind of rub it in her face and, you know, evil is triumphant and they celebrate it. And then she's like, yeah, well, you know, nothing I can do about it. I wonder, it and, makes me wonder about it, the, is, you know? it makes me wonder about the book and the source material, because that's the way that some like, um, I don't know what the genre labeled uh, for this is, but, um, movies that are analogies. I'm talking about yeah. like animal farm, um, 1984, uh, some of that kind of stuff have very unsatisfying endings uh, yeah. intentionally, right? By design, they're, I, I, they're yeah, cautionary, I could, I they're see. cautionary tales of like, look at what happens when you let the government get too big and let them control yeah. all the information and do all this surveillance and all this stuff. Like you have this protagonist and he's going through this story of meeting a girl and, and going through the thing. And I forget even what happens to him at the end, but it's like, she dies and he never escapes like there's no there's no happy outcome which is intentional they're like this is bad there's no winning once you let it happen so we need to not let it happen yeah and and i could see i could see this as a book like i could see someone in the 60s or the 50s whenever it was written mm-hmm. uh sitting down reading a scary book it's scary they're being gaslighted right. they're feeling for her they don't know what to do. They're scared for her. She's doing stuff that she can't get out. And and I'm sure as you're page turnering this thinking like, how is she going to get out? How is she going to save the baby? How is she going to live? How are they going to escape these terrible people? And at the end, the last chapter is like, she doesn't. And all the bad things happen at the end. I bet you they put that. I could just see people sitting in a chair, putting the book down and saying like, I never saw that ending. I was always looking for a way that she was going to come out and be safe. And she wasn't. 
and that's the end. And I bet you that really impacted people, right? Yeah. I could feel how that would impact someone putting a book down after all that time, hoping on a long, I mean, we talked about the movie being a long burn. I bet you the whole book was too, right? <laughs> you finally built up this thing and then it ends with her, you know, nothing positive per se, not a death or anything, just evil wins. And you're like, whoa, how do I feel about that? Right. And I can get that. I get how that feels. This, and maybe the movie did give some the, of that. The book was written or published in 67. So a year before the movie. So it was brand new. Oh, okay. Um, Wow. Okay. The best-selling horror novel of the 60s and supposedly um, a catalyst for a horror boom in, so like a boom in in horror fiction starting in in the late 60s. I, I, I got to say, watching shows like this, you know, as a kid in a really, my younger childhood, say, you know, eight or before mm -hmm. was, um, went with my great grandma who I love as a sweet woman, but was very Southern Baptist type person and very hellfire and brimstone so much so that we couldn't watch the Smurfs because it had, you know, a wizard in it. I can't believe that movies like this weren't, how were there not protests and riots in the street? Well, that's, that's a whole right? thing, like, right? Like that helps. Does it okay? Right, I we I wasn't allowed to watch Smurfs either. But like the '60s is the kickoff of this counterculture movement, right? Like the post-war, post-war America tried to be so, you know, clean-cut, straight-laced, June Cleaver kind of culture. So mm -hmm. when right. when people, you know, it's like who it's like kids that grow up with a complete like stigma about alcohol you know, go out to, to school and college and, and binge drink because they're so right. the forbidden fruit kind of, right. um, kind of thing. So yeah, it's that, that sense of like, it's like Rocky horror, right? We watched that and the, our buddy Trotsky explained that to us in the, in the way that I think best describes it. It's like, this movie is everything that will piss off your parents. Right. right. And, and just like a ridiculous right. celebration of it that at this point is also sort of uh, self self mockery right like it's also making fun of itself it's making fun of the yeah. it's making fun of the of the culture and the counterculture um right but yeah yeah well okay so moving out into final judgments yep. for 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 my final judgment here i i don't know i i will say screws to nuts i would not put this on my top 100 um not that it probably sits i'm you can probably tell me somewhere in the top 30 of pe most peoples in the world i would guess maybe mm. as well the important and big and cinematic and the number and good and yeah, stuff the, the number that i usually reference is imdb um it's got an 8.0 so it's got to be it's got to be somewhere high on the list. And of course that I was describing this to somebody, one of my, one of my siblings. Uh, what does this number mean? 1,000, <laughs> 1,003. I don't know. Well, I, I I, I'm not, I'm not seeing be... on the page right away how, how highly ranked it is. But of course those rankings are rankings 
based on people who leave star reviews on movies on IMDb, right? It's a <laughs> right, specific right, right. uh it's a specific list, a specific so, demographic. Yeah. So so for me and and my type of demographic of people, it's it's fine and it's okay and it's good. Um it's one not my genre in in general. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's um Maybe if I watched it at night in the dark, I don't even know if it's not really in a dark type thing. Either. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not scary in that sense. It's not scary. And, and yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would have what, what could elevate it to be in my top 100. But I wasn't at the end of the day when I when I think about movies that I put on my list for to, to recommend to other people that I think you should really watch before you pass on in this world. I'm not sure that this one is one that I would say, oh yeah, definitely you're, you're gonna you're gonna feel better about you know something, not better, but you know feel something big at the end of this. For me, it wouldn't. I didn't feel anything really big. It could have been maybe I just didn't hit it at the right time. But for I'm not putting it down in my final judgment. It could be great for some people, maybe more people than me. Yeah, I mean it's um, not. It's not a movie that's fun. Right, which is yeah, it's not fun. which is there not like not like in you know in fairness, um, I mean Shawshank Redemption isn't fun. Right, there's like there it. are very few yeah. movies on this poster that are like that's not right. it's it's assumed that if a movie is fun, you've probably seen it. Um, I'm sure, but yeah. like yeah. I don't know, Lion King is kind of fun. I mean, it has a <laughs> it has a rough sort of middle, but um, yeah. I Star Wars is fun. I would right. recommend this to anybody who wants to see a different kind of horror movie, like an origin kind of not, it's like the polar opposite of like, um, um, shoot, uh, uh, Sam, Sam Raimi and, uh, um, evil dead. Oh, right. Yeah. That's just like cheesy, campy, big music, um, bad special effects, jump scares just it's not any of that just big like i mean it's it's all emotional manipulation but that's like like primal emotional manipulation where this is more i mean you said it in the spoiler section it's psychological it's a very slow burn you watch it kind of uneasy and you're not sure why if you haven't read any spoilers, it it, uh, you know what it felt like. I kept thinking about when I was watching it. It's not the same, but it's it had the same feeling to me. I know it's a genre thing, but in time, but uh, um, uh, Jack Nicholson, which the uh, The Shining, Shining, like like I know Jack Nicholson. The Shining had you know jump scares and it had horror, more horror stuff, but it also was very much a psychological type thing where this guy slowly evolves, sure, devolves into this crazy stuff. And that's kind of how this felt too, is that it was like uh, that show, The Shining. It was a slow burn to slowly get to the the, the psychological. It, it was like a slow poison, like I said in the in the in the spoiler section. And this one was the slow poison too. So it's a in, slow poison psychological thing. And if that is something that that you enjoy, this is probably one of your top fifty. Yeah. Um, uh, if, it's, if if you're like, and eh, I can really pass on something that's a slow poison. It's I, it's funny. It's funny that you you make that reference because in the trivia, and I had to to look this up to remember the details. Um, a guy named John Parker wrote a biography on Jack Nicholson, and uh-huh. said that um, 
someone suggested Nicholson to uh, Polanski, presumably for the husband character. Okay, um, sure. And and he ruled him out, saying for all his talent, his slightly sinister appearance ruled him. Oh, I don't know. I quoted that wrong, but like he. he he looked too sinister. And that's one of the things we said when we watched yeah. The Shining. I think you said that especially like this guy. And I mean, really, The Shining, the whole cast. You're like, these characters are these actors not, sort of look like aliens. And I don't mean <laughs> they like did, they did, it's right. a weird. Sure. Like there are there are actors and actresses like I think um, uh, um, Summer Glau is a little bit that way like she's beautiful yeah. but looks a little a little other like a little different which yeah. makes her perfect for like you know playing right. genetic super soldiers or or, or androids or, right. or whatever like some people just have that kind of look which makes them great right. for some roles and, right and, and in this this one they were all it's important that they were very normal yeah like you didn't need the husband character to seem any more sinister he already seemed like just slightly neglectful yeah. Uh, right. So yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. I w- I wouldn't put this on mine, but it, it it probably belongs there for the majority of other people. I think. Yeah. I, I think if you're looking for, you know, to me, if I'm going to recommend this to somebody, if they're really, you know, as I say frequently, if you're really fascinated about the history of film and filmmaking, um, from what I've seen, it's unique in the horror genre. Um, it's a it's an origin point or an er horror movie. Um, kind of like if you're going to watch, again, Vertigo and Good, Bad, and the Ugly and some of this stuff that was kind of um, foundational oh, yeah. sure. to to a lot of films that came later. Um, but as as a fun, I mean, if you don't like the horror genre, you're not going to, again, like, for me, I didn't dislike this as much as I disliked A Quiet Place, but um, it's not something I would have ever really sought out. So, what, what what did you what did you describe? There's a phrase you described a while back, something about like uh, it's your director friend's favorite movie or director <laughs> your, or something. Like your that. favorite director's favorite movie, R- or, right? Or yeah. your favorite director's favorite director. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what this hits that too in there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what? What I, we didn't really talk about this, but what do we have for next oh, week? Man. Let's. I mean, we're coming up on on Halloween not too terribly long, and we know we have back to back horror stuff. So maybe we'll have another horror um, still. Or do, let's we... let's not shuffle up the list anymore. Next on the list is Doctor Strange Love. Okay. Or How I Learned I, to I Stop Worrying one. and Love the Bomb. <laughs> I don't know any of that. So I, this I will... is this is another Kubrick. Right, we watched. Um, oh, it's Apocalypse it's Now. Two thousand one. Okay, it's uh, or uh, not Apocalypse Now. Uh, yeah, two thousand one. Space Odyssey. Apocalypse Now is Scorsese, I think. Yeah. Um, two thousand one is Space Odyssey. Is what this is. Yeah, but this is about post-war, Cold War, nuclear kind of stuff. It's nineteen sixty-four. It's a few years before. Um, oh, another sixties movie. Okay. Yeah, a few years before. All right. Well. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Doctor Strange love for next week. Not it's Scorsese. A... Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola made Apocalypse Now. I don't want to get emailed right. about that. Uh, hey, uh, so we only have like less than ten minutes here left. Um, but um, 
there was something you sent me, and I know we're going way off. There's no real transition here, but there were there was something you sent me this mm. week. We've been playing some Final Fantasy. Yeah, for the first time in and, a couple of weeks, where we did not talk, probably because we talked about it for an hour and a half before we started recording for so long. And and I only want to talk a little bit about this because I really actually want to, would like to talk about the video that you had sent me, and it was we've kind of alluded to in our Final Fantasy talks the last couple of weeks about how there was some kind of change with the game that that happened that we didn't you and i worth weren't yeah. sure about I, and i came to this video uh, final fantasy up. 14 in 2017 right so the game was okay. seven years old at that point and right it was kind of on the casual recommendation of um one of my friends and i didn't i didn't know anything about it i didn't research anything into it you know i was just like roll a character, play it, you know, try the thing with the controllers and and the thing. And I had heard at some point later, um, probably on the core podcast or something, this thing about how the game launched originally and was awful, and then they rebuilt it and completely dropped the original version. And I'm like... That's kind of wild. It's just a, but, but just kind of a passing, you know, sort of oddity. Like, oh, that's funny. There's this, Mm -hmm. this thing, this thing. And so, um, I was on YouTube over the weekend and I found, um, a channel called No Clips, I think. Um, they did a Mm -hmm. three part documentary and the three parts together is probably like 90 minutes long. Um, Sure. Maybe maybe a little more than that, but they go through three distinct eras, and they go they went to Japan. It's like in um, in 2017, I think, or maybe 15. Yeah. Um, they went to Japan and interviewed um, Yoshida and the other uh, um, devs like and the actual and Square Enix, Enix people, like, like execs and yeah. the um, the guy in charge of English localization. Um, and which, which was, which was a funny person to have on interview, but I, I understand it when you listen to him. Yeah. I mean, he has a unique insight, right? Being a Westerner yeah. who lives in Japan and, and, uh, right. So, so this, this for, for people, you don't have to necessarily be a final fantasy 14 person, but this was a, an interesting thing about this is that as Dennis explained here and this video goes into is that the game was, the game was released. They didn't like it. Uh, it, they had done an online game called Final Fantasy XI before. It's a, what they call a numbered Final Fantasy. Right. Final Fantasy is one of the biggest role-playing franchises in video game history. Yep. And so and they take that their numbered Final Fantasies very seriously. And it's it's a Japanese culture. Every There's so much different things about Japanese culture that you can't even hit the, the hip of the iceberg on talking about on a whole podcast. Mm-hmm. And this and their company is very much like that. So they run things differently, they build things differently, they think about things differently. And this was a good uh, this Final Fantasy Online type stuff is a good example of that. When they made Final Fantasy XI mm-hmm. a successful for its time MMO on a console, and this video talks about that. And then they make this fourteen, and it's not good at all. And they they knew it. They they kind of knew it was, and they talk about in this video the cultural reasons for it and why they continue to launch it, mm-hmm. and then also how culturally and the company wise how they dealt with a a failure. and And I think it, it the video is so interesting because you get to see, 
and hear firsthand by these people about, you know, th- what they've gone through here. That it's not just try- a PR stunt. They had PR people in it, mm-hmm. but where they're just trying to say, oh, Square Enix is great. Final Fantasy fourteen is wonderful. Come play it. And we're so awesome. It was very much a, like, we failed. We dropped the ball. We're not great. Yeah, and, we're, we thought we were great. And the, do- you know? and the documentary is post the first expansion of Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. So it's uh, of the uh, the reboot, so everything which they call everything they're talking about is in is in the past, and the outcome of it is a known quantity at that point. So there's no right. like and, there's no pretense. There's no um like like spin or hype or whatever. It's just these guys go over there and they want to get the story. So they do all these interviews and, and, and put together this video and I've seen the whole thing and it's, and it's really good. If you um, have, have played MMOs for any length of time, if you have played, uh, you know, the final fantasy games, I've played very little of them. Um, If you know, even a little bit about um, the differences in, in Japanese culture um, as, as, as contrasted here or um and they talk about that game they, they totally game talk design about that, right? or project management or any of that there is a lot of it that is subtitled which is a little awkward the the captioning on youtube is not great um yeah and they and they talk sometimes at long lengths like for five minutes straight in japanese with subtitles and then they'll talk straight in English for like yeah, 10 it's minutes. the 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 subtitles are not formatted very well because of the the YouTube thing, and so that makes it a little awkward to try and read. But I've watched enough anime that that didn't really bother me. Um, right. So if if any of that seems fascinating to you, it's a it's a really fascinating story. Well, and, well, something some something that's important to to note to yeah. people who I I wanted to say here is that not just was it from eleven and fourteen and why they did bad for those who don't know about it with this game, it also turned out to be good. So like they, as Dennis said, they relaunched this thing and they, so you put out a bad game and everyone of us have played bad games that you thought was going to be good and it not being great and whatever. And that's not necessarily this story. That's not what this documentary is and what's not interesting. What's interesting is how the, the company understood that, figured it out, accepted it, dealt with it, and then made a whole new way to launch the the same game with the same title completely again like had a complete do over and and then how they did that why they did that and then all of the people involved that were like directly involved like the creator and, the, and navigated the, the this like the, this high risk i mean i think you said before about the numbered final fantasy it's like it's like mario for nintendo or right. or uh, i don't i don't know and Mario's made some bad games. War, Warcraft They're not all for gems. Blizzard. It's and and like, yeah, it's it's hard to compare. But it was basically a scenario where if if this game stayed, if they didn't do something about this game, the company was probably going to go under. I mean, maybe. I mean, the, 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 here's the real. I mean, that's what they that's what they were very much. I mean, I think I think they say in that in the. In the so they spent two years just to give the high level overview. They spent two years supporting the original launch, the 1.0 game, while develop while secretly developing a completely new game, and then also right. navigate because they had a hardcore fan base, you know, a couple thousand people who played the 1.0 yeah. anyway. So they had to keep patching and improving 1.0 while developing this new game. So it was incredibly 
um, yeah, you know, ta- taxing. And, and to hear, and to hear, to hear, like, I guess the probably the three people who are mainly being interviewed, the CEO of the company, like the big guy of, of the of Square Enix, the the um, showrunner or the producer or director, mm-hmm. or creative director, like him talking about it, and then like the localization English translator. These three levels, completely disparate levels of the process of what they had to do and why they do it was, has been so interesting. Like you said, they had to keep their people like the keep the people that they were kind of had screwed over by putting a bad game out. But they, the fact that the CEO all the way down to this English localization guy recognized these people as the most important people to their company, right? The, the players. Right. And I mean, honestly, like they're like, we have, Hardly anybody left playing this game, but those are the most important people for us. Yeah, it, and we can never it, let them it, go. Like that was so. It cool made me to think a lot that. about like in in WoW and other games. You talk about like balance between the hardcores and the casuals. Like that's that's hard. I mean, this game, you know, during these two years, it was in a state where they're only the only people playing were hardcores. Like no casuals were yeah. playing the game because it was bad. And or or not no not even not even hardcores they were people who were devoted to the franchise right right in a way right not, not, not like to like just PvP like the game or, wasn't good enough to have like hardcore raiders kind of thing like these were diehard Final Fantasy fans and right. so they they then had to negotiate and and navigate like how do you how do you do this how do you delete the game those people are playing. And bring something new without, you know, without, without and, and at the same them. time, still let giving them things like they patched and ran full games and made things better for those few yeah. people. And so like 50% of their, their efforts were into to supporting these right. very few people, the, dedicated these, people these, because the of, because they felt that they needed them forever, like for their company to live. It, that was so good, and, they, and this is and a, in the yeah. like, like it succeeded in the end. But for those two years, yeah. I think they lost a lot of money. Like they, Square yeah. Enix spent sure. a ton of money on these on these yeah. resources, and it paid off. But it was it was a gamble that they felt they had to make because otherwise, like the game wasn't going to succeed. It was a flop, right? And so, and, and spoiler, not spoiler for those who don't know, Final Fantasy fourteen is like the number two subscription MMO in the right, world right, right now, I believe. And so, when so you, th- it definitely changed. This around. is the thing I didn't know, and it makes me want to go back and rewatch, uh, maybe trailers or opening cinematics or something. They, they worked this story into the lore of the game. So when you start the game now, and they talk about a calamity that struck Eorzea and these these five warriors of light, they're talking about that initial version of the game. Oh, I did not they know like, that. Wow. They like okay. work it into the story. It's if you, maybe you haven't seen the whole thing yet, but. Um, wow. I mean, I, I know, I know that they, they talk about that through the, the main story quest and they, they, there's definitely a big cinema scene where they mention they're talking about the calamity and the calamity is happening, but they, it's very nebulous. So now I know that there's a whole, that's a really interesting that's neat that they worked that yeah, in there. Yeah, well, it's, it's I, like, I, I would love you, to know. What do you do? That, do you right. say like, oh, this was, we're doing 2.0 and everything before that is is gone. No, they, you know, because this is. But, but that's what they this did. This is a way. They, they did. And I feel like this is a way that, that games and MMOs and developers used to do things 
that they don't really anymore. And maybe they do if you're at a small enough scale, but, um, you know, they, they sort of interacted and built these things into the 1.0 game. So those, those few thousand players who stayed with it, they lived through something that's now a, a major cinematic cutscene in the game. Like they were there yeah. and, um, and you can no longer anyone ever do that. Right. You you can pull Final Fantasy eight out and relive that. You can't pull out Final Fantasy 11.1. Right. Right. Or 14, 14.1. Like maybe the, right. there are some video, you know, some old YouTube yeah. and stuff out there, but yeah. Which, which I actually kind of now after watching that kind of want to see, I want to know what was the story before, right. In Eorzea and things. So this, this actually honestly is a Final Fantasy four. For Final Fantasy fourteen part two is what yeah, this is. Yeah, I mean that's why I didn't even really think about this, but as I'm playing, you know, we talk about the main scenario quest. Um I got to the main big like roll credits ending of that, and then there are a series of chains after that that are that are patches, right? They're two point one, two point two, two point three. And I'm like, oh that's weird that they're two point uh um patches because in Warcraft in World of Warcraft, the the big number on a patch is the expansion, right? Like 2.0 yeah. was Burning Crusade, and the patches after that were part yeah. of Burning Crusade, and 3 was um, uh, Wrath of the Lich King. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's weird that they had 2.1 in their, in their same... And then I remembered that there was this that there was this thing, and so I was on YouTube, and I'm like, I'll bet this is a really fascinating story, and it really was. Yeah, it it really is, and and it's worth even if you don't like final like Final Fantasy fourteen or anything, it's a really good behind the scenes kind of talk, and and they have it. Oh, they also have an engineer on there, like a programmer mm-hmm. guy, right? Yeah, and he, the guy who and listening to him network, talk is very much like network stuff. For, yeah, the network for the guy, PlayStation two, and yeah. yeah, and and he's really talking about how these developed and went through, and like that's really really interesting. The project management part kind of blew my mind. <laughs> what this guy doing stuff. Also, it made, you know, there's some video game legends. We got, you know, Miyamoto and we've got people who like, uh, who's the Konami guy who did um, um, Metal Gear. There's some people who are rock stars Mm -hmm. with their names are known, you know, and, and, but this guy, there's one guy now that's now been added to my list and and I got to write his name down because I just saw him today. You know his name. He's the, this guy that turned around Final Fantasy 14. This guy is amazing. I think he's the guy they call Yoshi P. Um, Okay. His he he's awesome yeah. right like that guy changed the world i mean for for so many things and he did it by the sweat of his brow determination teamwork and leadership and everything yeah his name right? is naoki yoshida yeah that guy is worth knowing right and knowing, knowing the name of it and I, and i know he's final fantasy 14 now but like whatever he heads up next i'd love to see yeah right it's that's a that's a weird thing for me to say I want to watch a franchise or a, a company, whatever, but I want to watch this guy's game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So cool. Cool. Link that. In yeah. The show notes it's very cool. If you're, if you're at all interested in video games or video game development or just software development, um, it's a really cool story. Uh, so. And pretty well shot. Like the, the, the documentary is pretty it's well, well shot. made for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's not like this crappy homemade cool. thing. It's, it's pretty yep. good. Well, cool. Okay. Next week, uh, once again, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Yep. And yeah, so we're 
good. I don't know. No, I watched some more Doom Patrol. I had, I had some kind of smooth transition. I'm also watching a Netflix show called Bruise Brothers. Oh, you told me that. I go watch that. Uh, right. It's kind it. of raunchy, kind of good, bad. Uh, I haven't seen the whole thing, just a couple <laughs> episodes. It's about uh, brothers who run a, a microbrewery. Okay, cool. Uh, so cool. it's kind of, uh, I don't know what to compare it to. It's kind of like the league. Um, okay. If you ever saw that. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to th- put, put that on my list. Also, the new Transformers is going to come out pretty mm. soon on Netflix. So that's actually, that won't be for next time, but soon. We'll yeah. Talk about that. And we've got a couple of things like Sam talked about Minecraft Dungeons. Where they talk about some Gloom, Gloomhaven things. Mm. We've got a couple of VR games that we haven't talked about. Uh, still coming up so tune in next week and maybe we'll hit some of those highlights yeah i'm still still mostly doing uh doing beat saber though i ordered some like grips to go on the because i don't like Mm, yeah if some if i'm doing a really intense song like my hands will cramp up from just squeezing the controllers as i'm flailing my arms around and i'm like i need something (laughs) to hold on to these a little better i'm i had a, a bit i don't know if i told you bill came over a uh, friend of the mm-hmm. show, Bill, came over a week ago, I think, and played um, the via, the Oculus Quest for the first time. Did I tell you that? Uh, I don't think and so. Maybe you did. He, 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 just like most people, he was like, I got to go home and buy this. <laughs> like, and, and obviously, just like other people, he's like, I can't find it anywhere. You can't get right, it. Right, right. Um, so he's, he, he's, he's now been, uh, you know, this last week on the quest to find the quest. Nice, um, nice. Because he played through the first... Um, Darth Vader, Darth Vader one, Vader which thing. is amazing. Yeah. He he played the boxing one in the first one. You're sweating yeah. and and short of breath. And he played Beat Saber and loved it. And you know, start just played through all the stuff. The 360, like it's amazing. Bill's like a game player type person, not necessarily hardcore, but just like a casual game player. Mm-hmm. And the things he likes the most are things or that he found that he was amazed to find are like Google Earth and mm. YouTube 360 videos. And yeah. y- you find yourself amazed at that you're walking down Paris, you know, places. And he went to Key West where he was just at like, Oh, I know this and I'm in the spot. <laughs> so when, when you put it down, you have those experiences. So I, you know, and, and I'm have a couple of weeks before Sid comes back. And I think this week I'm going to go downstairs and, and play through some of my games, which I absolutely love. Nice. Uh, on headset, but after I get focused on final Fantasy 14, <laughs> but right on. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to front porch. This is episode 152. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, if you like Star Trek role-playing, Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our other show. It's still several weeks behind being updated, but it's called Klingons and Dragons. That's klingonsanddragons.com. It's not safe for work. We're, we're going to start running out of content for that stuff soon. We're going to have to, to, to put some more. Not, not really. Not if I. Not if it takes me many more than two weeks to to push an update like we've got almost a year of recordings to <laughs> i still have content uh, still put up. um if you want to contact us there are forms on the website that's frontporchpodcast.com or or you can email us directly frontporchpod at gmail.com did i say yeah i did okay uh if you enjoy the show you could subscribe at all the places uh thanks so much for listening until next time i'm dennis And I'm Michael for Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.